welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling and Jim Suhan from U.S. Bank Stadium, where the Minnesota Vikings just lost 12-10 to to the Chicago Bears. I don't think that's a scoregami, but it's... It's not good. It's notable for being bad. A horrific score for the Vikings. I saw Kevin O'Connell open his press conference by saying, credit Brian Flores for being in a game, for keeping us in a game that we shouldn't have been in. Um, guys, this one just starts with Josh Dobbs, doesn't it, Ben? It does, and it's worth asking if this will be the last one that starts with Josh Dobbs. Kevin O'Connell acknowledged afterwards that they will look at everything as far as the quarterback position. He said, or at least seemed to kind of acknowledge the fact that they considered going to Nick Mullins during the game. He basically said, I was looking for anything that would give us a spark before that touchdown drive that Dobbs led, and obviously that let him finish the game after that. But, yeah, it's – we were discussing this in the press conference after the game, just kind of in between O'Connell and Dobbs. The last time they had an honest-to-goodness quarterback controversy around here, I mean, I guess the – best you would probably say is 2017 when Mike Zimmer wouldn't name Case Keenum the starter but even then Keenum was playing well every week it's just that Zimmer wanted to put Teddy Bridgewater out there I mean before that it's I don't know Matt Castle Christian Ponder Josh Freeman stuff in 2013 I don't know if you'd even call that a quarterback controversy but if if we are invoking that season that is not a good thing yeah Jim what did you think I think Jaron Hall will be starting the next official Vikings game that is played. Uh, it sounded, you know, O'Connell talked about maybe putting Mullen in this game, but really when when we asked about making a quarterback change, he kind of referenced Jaron Hall. I think Jaron Hall will be the next starter. I just think, I just don't, Dobbs is a great story, cool guy, charismatic, it's been fun to write about him, but he played a bad team and he threw four interceptions and he had a pick six dropped and he mustered 10 points against a team that has nothing to play for. You just can't tolerate that. Yeah, and it, it sounded like after the game, and it looked like it, obviously, the lack of timing with this offense, the lack of time in the playbook, the rhythm, all that, O'Connell talking about, he's still learning uh, where to go with the ball, essentially, with some of our, our passing games. So it looked like they were just off uh, throughout the night, and, and starting with Jordan Addison tipping a ball into an interception, um, it seemed like Dobbs could have had five picks in this game. Had yeah, Jalen Johnson not dropped one of them. Um, it, it just seems like what's coming to roost is the fact that this is a quarterback they just acquired. Well, and the other thing is the thing he probably does best, at least at this point, is kind of play backyard football where it's scramble drill kind of stuff. He makes plays with his feet. The Bears did not allow him to do that tonight. They made him play quarterback. And I think we talked about that a little bit during the week, that that may be the problem if he gets into one as teams say we're going to not let you get out of the pocket we're going to make you stay in there but I also think they don't want somebody playing backyard football in this offense they want things to be in rhythm in timing as everybody does I mean but that's kind of the nature of this system it's the nature of these types of west coast offenses it's it's one of the reasons I think they liked Kirk Cousins because he does those things he does not have an athletic side to his game necessarily but Kevin O'Connell wants the offense to look a certain way and I think that's part of where they're running into trouble right now with Josh Dobbs is he's just not able to do that whether it's because he's new or whether it's because that's maybe just not his game in the same way it's not happening and it seems fairly clear that Kevin O'Connell wants his offense to look like 
the model that he had set up at the beginning of the season and whoever can do that best, I think, is going to be the guy that gets the chance to go out there and do it on Sundays. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. Yeah, so Jim, you don't think there's any recapturing of the magic? That it's You're saying that essentially the clock struck midnight here. I think he might have, you know, we gave him all this credit for coming in, short notice, not much time, simplified playbook, you know, run around and make some plays. But he's probably better in that setting than he is a month in where he's now kind of wants him to get to the third read and the opposing defensive coordinator knows exactly what he does and they also realize he doesn't have a very strong arm. He can break on the ball. He was probably better. He was probably at his best in Atlanta. You know, under those circumstances. And that is the almost the M.O. of a backup quarterback in the NFL. Somebody can come in and give you a burst, but they're a backup because they can't do it week after week. They can't dissect a defensive game plan. They can't cover up their weaknesses. And, you know, it's... It's the guy that hits 400 in April and then yeah. cools off when the league adjusts to him. And, you know, he this is his eighth NFL stop. Seven different teams, eight NFL stops, and he had one victory coming in. I mean, there's a reason for all that. Uh, one Viking staffer said after the game, just uh, he's he's learning the offense and getting worse. Makes sense of that. Yeah. I think he just did. That's, I mean, that's exactly that makes sense to me. Yeah, and because yeah, he's a guy who took people by surprise uh, initially, and we're just seeing that now. It's it's eight turnovers, I believe, in four games for him. Uh, four obviously tonight with the four picks. It's not a way the Vikings want to play. I do find it interesting that they didn't seem to lean into his mobility a ton here. Maybe it's the way you were mentioning Chicago played with trying to keep him in the pocket, but I didn't see a lot of even like design runs for him outside of some bootleg action they had a little bit early in the game. Um, I've just found it interesting. There was no real commitment to the run at all, even though Dobbs continued to struggle uh, in this game, especially early. They had five designed runs in the first, I think, 16 plays, and that was when he had his three turnover-worthy plays, including the drop pick, and then he threw two picks in the second half. Um, so it just it was a puzzling game from O'Connell. Like, what did you guys think of his game? Yeah, I think you're right on that. It It's a lot of the things that they could do to make it easier for him, they don't seem to want to do, whether it's moving the pocket for him and maybe you know, making it more of a half-field read while using his mobility or trying to run the ball. Maybe it's just that they don't trust that they can. But whether it's those things or whether some of the, the play calling in fourth down situations that ended up biting them in the rear end, the I didn't have a problem with them going for it on the fourth and seven with Hawkinson, but that's one of those plays where they're counting on Dobbs's timing at a spot where he doesn't have it in the offense yet that ends up burning them. And then I also thought it was interesting at the end of the game, they could have tried Greg Joseph from 61. O'Connell said that they had, I think, a run on third down that they canned to a pass, and that didn't really go anywhere. And, and he felt like field position is what they wanted to play for there. But if they make that kick, this is hindsight. I'm Monday morning quarterbacking a little bit here, but – it is interesting at times where the fourth down decisions are more conservative with him than I think we would have expected given a coach of his you know, 
age and profile, so to speak. Um, I, it was interesting to watch the way he went about it, and I think some of the things that they possibly could have done to get things going, they they decided not to do for whatever reason. Yeah, I, I think because he didn't have much faith in Dobbs. Yeah. I, I think he had much more faith in his defense than in his quarterback yep. tonight, and it affected his decision-making. And any one of those decisions you can say that he did the wrong thing, but I think that was his motivation. Is I, I almost felt like he was like saying, I owe it to Flores to let him try to win the game because my offense ain't doing it. Yeah, the, the, I had more – I had more questions as an observer just, you know, on the outside, like why through the first three quarters of how he coached or called the game, I think a lot of criticism was why was he conservative at the end and, you know, he couldn't run out the clock. Uh, You couldn't find a way to move the chains to run out the clock. At that point, you're right. You're being so conservative because you're playing an offense that had nine points on the other side. You know, at that point, you're just thinking, let's just take care of the ball because we haven't done that. I just wondered why they weren't trying to take the load off Dobbs earlier in the game where it just seemed like every time he went back out there, and he did lead the touchdown drive, Dobbs yeah, did. Yeah. And O'Connell cited that as a reason, as you guys mentioned, like why he didn't make the switch necessarily at quarterback. But, um, yeah, with Ty Chandler, with Alexander Madison, and Madison starts the second half with a 21-yard run, and we just don't see much of that uh, the rest of the game, or at least in that second half. So I thought it was a puzzling way to go about it and one that didn't seem to stick with some of the – Ways It almost seemed like they were trying to run the Kirk Cousins offense for Josh Dobbs. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I mean, they seem like they want to exist in a world where not much has changed. And it's like, everything's changed. You don't have your quarterback that you built this thing around. You don't have the NFL Offensive Player of the Year, at least for another two weeks. You, The ability to say, we've got to win a different way. And I get that it's difficult when you've put all this time into this offense, but it's also like... This is part of the gig and being able to adapt and change what you do is part of how you win. It's part of the reason, I mean, even now that we're talking about Bill Belichick's job security, that's the thing that has made Bill Belichick peerless over the course of his career in this league is he gets things thrown at him and he finds different ways to win in spite of the challenges that come up week to week. He does. And the Vikings didn't give Dobbs a whole lot of help, as we mentioned, whether from coaching, but Addison tips the one pass. Addison doesn't get his feet down on a sideline catch where Addison took this game hard. He was he was sitting at his lockers, the last Viking still on his pads. Um, Staring into his locker for quite a long time. Yeah, and I asked him after the game, like, what plays were you thinking about? And he mentioned those two plays. Uh, and then he also mentioned that first deep shot that they took to Addison down the middle of the field. He said, I caught that. And I said, well, why didn't you try to get him to challenge it? And he said, we were already lined up. It was too quick. Um, I don't know, but he swore like that was a catch. Ball never hit the ground. He said that wasn't one of the plays that he laments, but he absolutely laments the sideline catch that it was so wide open, it should have been better thrown um, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, Justin Jefferson, for instance, a bigger guy, probably is able to get his contort his body and get his feet down there. Yeah, true. Um, I still got to give the put that on the quarterback. You know, it, it, it we don't know if it was actually possible for him to get his feet down. We know he should have tried harder to get his feet down. But a, a simple throw to the any place else on the actual green surface, and it's a touchdown. Uh, So I have to put that on Dobbs. And it is interesting to me, too, you know, I think Madison might have had his best two games the last two games. He's actually made a few people miss. He actually found some green space, Uh, 10 rushes, 52 yards in this game. 
And Ty Chandler disappointed me a little bit tonight. Uh, he had the swing pass to the left, one guy to beat for a first down. He didn't even come close to beating him. Uh, didn't seem to have the same juice in the running game. So just when I was start ready to get excited about Ty Chandler, Madison's actually outplaying him right now. Yeah, he, I like Madison and how he's played so far in these last two games. You're right. And I thought it was interesting that Ty Chandler only got six touches, I think. Uh, in the first half, though, he outsnapped Madison. So they were putting him on the field just as much, if not more, early. And then seemingly they saw Madison having the hotter hand there and kept playing him. Uh, I just, I don't know, is there a solution um, on their roster to get a consistent run game? Is it more Madison somehow, even though it's a guy that just fumbled in the last game, has dropped passes and has been unreliable for you? They're in a tough spot trying to figure out how to balance this offense. True. And, you know, I know Wong Wu might not be the most reliable guy, but I just... I would just throw people out there and whoever gets hot, just ride them, you know. And Madison was that guy tonight. He's had all kinds of problems, uh, but you don't have many choices. Uh, I suppose the one thing that they can, I mean, if they have an ace in the hole, and it's a hard thing to assume that they do, and no, I was not trying to make a Las Vegas reference there. It just happened organically. Um, with the run game, they can probably hope that they're going to start to see the shell coverages again if you get Justin Jefferson back, and maybe that makes it so that teams are not putting the heavy boxes in there like Kevin O'Connell said they started to see at the end of the game. Maybe that helps, but it's it's hard to see an easy solution coming from the people that they have. I mean, Jefferson may open some things up for them, but it still remains to be seen if they have the people that can consistently make defenses pay for – approaching Jefferson the way they do. I mean, that was the thing we heard all offseason is that all of these teams play the shell coverage over the top of Jefferson and they spend all of their time trying to take him away, rolling safeties, double teaming him, whatever it happens to be, and let's find ways to make it easier for teams to come out of that because they're regretting that we're gashing them with the run. They haven't shown anybody that – they have the ability to do that. So they're going to see teams say, let's take number 18 away until you show us that we should do something else. And it's hard right now to see a way that they're going to take advantage of the opportunities that Jefferson may facilitate when he comes back. This was another gem of a game for Brian Flores, though, I thought. Justin Fields looked like he was running wild early, looked like they were trying to catch a live chicken out there at times. Uh, Anthony Barr was even spying him, a 31-year-old Anthony Barr. And Anthony Barr, I talked to him after the game, and he said, this guy's a lot faster than Russell Wilson when I used to, when I used to do this kind of stuff. Um, so the Vikings were throwing a little bit of everything, just blitzes, drop eights, all that kind of stuff, the typical Flores stuff we're used to seeing. Uh, this was a game that the defense absolutely deserved to win. Don't you think? Yeah, they throw a zero <laughs> blitz at him on. Uh, well, that was a tough like a one. Third the, and twenty or well, something. Fourth and it was a fourth, fourth and ten down, zero yeah. blitz that they got beat on. Yeah, Komet kind of released and they just dumped it over. Yep. Um, so it was an aggressive play call, but most of the time it seemed to work out. They seemed to keep Fields in the pocket. Now I think Flores is going to get. I saw some frustration for that last drive that allowed them to get into scoring range to win it. Um, the 38-yard completion of DJ Moore, uh, but overall they didn't allow those kinds of plays until the very end. Yeah, I mean, 12 points in an NFL game, you should win. Yeah. You're an offensive team, and your defense gives up 12 points. You should win 99 out of 100 or 100 out of 100. Well, and the other the other thing, the play before that was the one where Daniil Hunter has Fields in his grasp. Field looked like he was still in the tackle box there, threw it out of bounds. That's the one where O'Connell's screaming at the ref. Basically, asked him about it after the game. He said, 
Josh Dobbs got called on that earlier in the game, and my question to them was, how is this play different than the one that you called earlier, knowing that Fields was in the pocket, in the grasp, threw it out of bounds? If that gets called, you're then on, well, I suppose at that point it's fourth and 20, right? So Something like that, It's a yeah. different, yeah. certainly a different down and distance situation, and, and maybe, you know, still 38 yards, maybe they still convert it, but obviously maybe the defense looks different there too, and maybe you, you rush three, Say let's just keep it in front of us, and maybe they get a stop. They're wasting some peak to Neil Hunter. They sure, man. He had a great night. I mean, it was phenomenal. Yeah. One and a half sacks, earned himself another million dollars. He's a half sack away from the final million dollar bonus to earn three million for game show passing back fourteen. It's a, he's winning at that game yeah. show. That's yeah. for sure. Uh, it also makes you think what they're going to do with him moving forward when he continues to have games like this. Can they afford him? Do they, does it change them wanting him to pay him what he keeps asking for? Well, there, there's an old saying that I've always heard in the NFL about the salary cap, which is that it's never the salary cap has never kept any NFL team from keeping somebody they really wanted to keep. Now, this will be challenging, Cousins, Jefferson, Hunter, but – you know, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, your punters just can't take a pay cut. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, your fullback, yeah, Cousins, and it'd be harder with Hunter, but you can certainly sign Cousins and have him take a cap cut next year because he's on the cap for twenty eight and a half million, and they can take a decent chunk of that off the cap by turning some of those void years into real years. So there are ways to do it. Rob Brzezinski has played the shell game with the cap as well as anybody in the league for a long time. I, if they want to do it, they can do it, but there's a lot of needs. There's a Christian Derisaw extension to do too. It's just they have a lot to get done yeah. in short order to have this team able to maximize Jefferson's prime. So there's, I think there's options to do that financially, but – there's a lot of needs on this roster, I think, beyond even those. And when you have quarterback, pass rusher, wide receiver, left tackle, they need to get paid, um, depending if Cousins and Hunter are here. But you have those positions that need to be filled, and those are expensive positions typically to fill, and, and they have needs beyond those as well. The Vikings are now one of five NFC teams with six losses, so they're right there. They're gonna, they're so close to the in-the-hunt graphic, you can, you can just see it. Um, doesn't matter, Jim. Doesn't matter at this point to you. Oh. Right now, they are closer to last place than first place. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> they are two games ahead of the Bears now. They are two and a half behind the Lions. Wow. So they're in the hunt. I mean, listen, it's still, it's still out the, all in front of them. I mean, if they got hot and got Jefferson back and played well and beat the Lions twice, I mean, there's the schedule still isn't that brutal. They're going to play the Bengals without Burrow. Jake Browning. Yeah, there are, there are wins out there. They Jake should Brown, make the playoffs. And that's why I think O'Connell will change quarterbacks because he he doesn't think you can afford another game like this. Well, and this was one that, I mean, if you're sitting there looking at it saying, you get that defensive performance against that team at home, that's a game that you're expecting to win. And you don't win it. And now you sit there and say, well, all of these games that we sit there and say we're the better team, how easy is it to say that if you get that type of quarterbacking performance? I mean, the the Raiders – should they beat the Raiders? Probably yes. Um, they're not going to beat anybody. Anymore, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, you're not going to beat anybody, or you're not going to be able to go in assuming you're going to beat anybody with that type of quarterback performance. The Bengals, I mean, should they beat Jake Browning? I suppose, but the Bengals have talent if you keep them, let them hang around. I mean, a lot of these things then become 
harder to just say, yep, we're going to win those and, and stack those in the win column. So, yes, I, I think that's why when he says we're going to look at everything, I mean, he he's not the type to say things kind of off the cuff, off the cuff because he's frustrated. I think he is saying that for a reason. It would be surprising to me if they come out of the bye and say we're going to go back to Josh Dobbs. So the Vikings are either going to turn to their fourth starting quarterback in Nick Mullins or their second of three starting quarterbacks in Jaron Hall for the entire season. Don't it forget would, Sean Mannion. No. It would seem like, no, let's no, forget Sean Mannion. Forget Sean Mannion. <laughs> nice guy. Um, I, I do think that moving forward it's going to be interesting because the Packers look better. They beat the Lions. Jordan Love looks serviceable. He's making sidearm passes like he's Patrick Mahomes out there. Uh, the patience seems to be paying off a little bit for them, and suddenly they're just one game behind the Vikings, and they play, what is it, New Year's Eve? New Year's Eve, Sunday night, could be NFC playoff stakes up for grabs as we ring in 2024, probably doing this podcast. We will be the only sober people in the building. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's very possible with those two teams in that situation. That is true. Thank you guys for checking out this episode. Please check out all of our work at startribune.com. <laughs>